Hello, everyone. This is Jason Van Orden from Internet Business Mastery. You are listening to the man who has trained more people how to podcast than anyone else in the world, Cliff Ravenscraft. He is the Podcast Answer Man. Are you ready to take your message, your business, and your life to the next level? Want to learn from someone with more than a decade of experience, training tens of thousands of people from all around the world? Hi, Cliff. This is Pauline from Auckland, New Zealand. John from Calgary, Alberta. Amy Porterfield. Michael Hyatt. Dan here from Dunedin, New Zealand. Ray Edwards. Mark Mason. Mike Stelzner. Pat from Smart Passive Income. It's Darren from Melbourne, Australia. Whether you're looking to launch a podcast or build an online business that allows you to do the work you love, you've come to the right place. Podcast Answer Man presents The Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Now, here's your host, Cliff Ravenscraft. That's right, my friends, and welcome to episode number 514 of The Cliff Ravenscraft Show. And I am super excited to bring to you the message that I have on my heart today because it is a reawakening to what drives me, the passion for what it is that I do and why I do what I do. Now, for those of you who are subscribed to the show, you look forward to it coming out every single week on Friday, you might realize the fact that last week I did not publish an episode. I came back from Podcast Movement 2017, had such an incredible, awesome experience in California, and I came home and experienced once again one of those transitional period of times where I come off of this major high, absolutely loving life to its fullest, embracing all of the awesomeness that comes from from interacting and engaging with a community of people who have been inspired and motivated, whose lives are better today as a result of the content that I've created over all of these years and hearing their stories and it and just makes me feel so great about what I'm doing and, and I just have this awesome aura of excitement and and joy and and just complete love for what I'm doing. And then to come back home and just life goes back to normal. Now, by the way, I'm an introvert, so uh, engaging and, and being in front of all of those people, it takes a lot of emotional energy out of me. And, and so, you know, it, it's an emotionally draining experience as well as as much as it is a fulfilling experience. And, and you know, the emotional ups and downs of being an introvert and these big, large crowds, there's there's a lot to navigate there. That's not the focus of this week's episode, though. But I want to I want to share with you in this week's episode some insights that I've gained as a result of reading a book called "The Big Leap" by the author Gay Hendrickson, or I think it's Hendrickson. Anyway, or we'll we'll look at it in just a moment here. Uh, do I have it? Actually, yeah, Hendricks. It's Gay Hendricks is actually who the author is. But anyway, it, I just read or actually listened to the audiobook from Audible called The Big Leap. This is a book that my friend Dan Miller told me about almost a year ago, I think, at least many, many months ago. And he's like, Cliff, you know, ju- judging by what you're sharing as far as what your heart is, what the kind of things that you want to help people do, your your mission, your passion, your your mindset coaching, life and mindset and business coaching that you're doing, 
sounds to me like you would really resonate with this message that Gay Hendricks has in his book called The Big Leap. And I, a matter of fact, I have an audio recording of that conversation because this was a time when Dan and I got together just for one-on-one. Just he's a he's a friend of mine and a a business advisor and mentor of mine. And so uh, after doing having a short conversation about some technical stuff, I asked him if he had a moment to talk, and he said sure. And we just chatted for a little while. And I remember this conversation vividly. He's like, Cliff, you know, it's, it sounds to me like, you know, you've you've been working on this thing called the Upper Limit Challenge. And, and it sounds like this could be a, a really great sweet spot for you in, in the messaging that you want to help people with. You're always talking about taking people to the next level and in helping people expand their mindset of what's possible. And so he mentioned this book. And then since then, I've heard him talk about this book several times over the past year in his podcast and in other conversations with some other folks uh, face-to-face. So I, I never got around to reading that book. I've always got this list of books, <laughs> a reading list, that is longer than my desire and passion for reading. Now, with that being said, I, I read because I feel like I need to read and and that it's important to read. I I, I believe there's a uh, a lot that I need to grow, a lot of areas where I need to grow, and there's many books out there, I believe, that will help me get to where I need to go next in life and in my mindset and and just all the other things, areas where I need to grow to become the person I believe God has created me to be personally. And so this book had been added to my reading list, but it had never been moved to next in line. However, for whatever reason, I don't know where it came from, but I, I guess just I know that my friend Chris Pavone, uh, who just recently graduated podcasting A to Z, who is coming out in November to the Next Level Workshop, which is uh, creating an online business around your online efforts, your content that you're creating. Anyway, Chris is coming out in November, and I know that he recently told me and shared that he had read The Big Leap, and I, I he may have heard about it from Dan Miller as well. I'm not sure, but I, you know, just hearing so much about The Big Leap and knowing that I have, understanding that it's this, well, first of all, let me explain to you this. <laughs> I'm going to be jumping all over the place today in this episode. I am not editing this episode, and I, I don't have an exact outline of what I want to say in this episode. For, so for that, I want to apologize to each and every one of you. But let me explain to you what I felt The Big Leap might have been about. And it had in my mind, The Big Leap was all about our upper limit challenge, and I got that language from... Dan, as he used that language, uh, associating it with this book, he called it the Upper Limit Challenge. And the Upper Limit Challenge, in my mind, was this idea of you get to the place where you make as much money as you feel you're worthy of making, or you make as much money or earn as much money as you feel comfortable having without feeling like you're... Uh, going against your programming of what's acceptable. You know, for example, we've talked a lot about in recent episodes about this idea of money and whether or not having and pursuing wealth is a moral thing to do, whether or not you should give all of your excess away to others 
and and only keep what you need to survive for yourself and and give the rest away. And of course, I don't believe in that. I used to, and that was a part of my programming, and so therefore, if I ever had more, I, I found myself self-sabotaging. And so we've talked a lot. For those of you who have been following the Cliff Ravenscraft show for the past several months, you're, you're tracking right along with me. And for those of you who are just joining the Cliff Ravenscraft train here, welcome aboard. It's a crazy ride. Buckle in, sit tight. You don't have to go back and listen to all the old episodes if you, want, if you don't want to. If you want to, maybe the last three to six months, max is all I would invite you to go back. But if you just start today and, and move forward, I think you'll be just fine. You'll you will discover just how uh, <laughs> how crazy this train is. But welcome aboard. So here, I so I thought the big leap, this upper limit challenge, was all about money, and and that this book would help people understand that you know you have this programming or conditioning in your mind, maybe from childhood, of how much money you feel comfortable making, and if you ever make more than that, typically you'll self sabotage yourself. And you'll go back to earning only the and having a, the only the amount of money that you feel worthy of, or that you feel is appropriate, or acceptable, or responsible, or whatever that conditioning mindset is. Now, I learned about that way back when I read the book uh, "Secrets of the Millionaire Mind" by T. Harv Eker, which the just the opening of that book in the formula that where he talks about where our minds. And, and the results of how we get the results of the financial situation that we're in today is all about our emotions and our thoughts and, and actions and all that other stuff. That's a whole nother podcast for another time. I, I did episode in a different podcast in another, another lifetime ago. Anyway, maybe I'll come back and, and reevaluate that in the, in the near future. But so I had understood this idea of the upper limit challenge when it comes to finances. And I notice that I always am expanding my mindset of where I feel comfortable, how much money I feel comfortable making. You know, for a long time in, you know, I only felt level in my business income, you know, business profits, if you will, right around $6,000 per month. And then when I bumped it up to $10,000, I remember just how much it took of a, a leap, if you will, of me feeling comfortable with that. And then getting to the place where I was at $20,000 per month in, in business profits. And and when I would hit you know, $30,000, $40,000 and my friends, there had been times when this business that I have has generated over $60,000. I think one month I hit $80,000 in business profits in a single month. And what I found is that there, when I hit those big, huge highs, I would stop working. <laughs> I, I, would, I would rest. I don't even know what laurels are, but, but in context, I hear people, I would rest on my laurels. <laughs> So I, I probably should look that up. But anyway, I, I, what I found is that I would, I would get, I would have this financial high and, and things are uh, like more incredible than I ever dreamed imaginable. And then what I would find is like, okay, whoa, uh, let, let's, let's kind of take life easy a little bit. Um, this, this doesn't feel too comfortable. And, and I would not work as hard for three or four months and, and kind of just have this, you know, buffer financially. And, 
and and before you know it, I'm right back down. It, I, I I start hovering, and I and I don't feel, I, and I don't feel the pressure or the um, motivation or the excitement about doing something to generate more money until I've started to p- deplete some of those funds, and I'm right around back to where it's like, whoa! If I don't generate, you know, that 20k, because that's my thermostat for financially in my business has been set for way too long at 20k. I you know 20k in profits per month. And so if I've if I if I get right above that 20k, I found that I I don't I feel the motiva- motivation to work and if I drop below 20k in profits on a monthly basis, then all of a sudden I feel like oh my gosh, if I don't do something to generate 20k this month then then the my world's going to fall apart that's my cuz that's my standard that's my that's what i must have and and that's where i feel comfortable the thing is though is i've been comfortable at that level for quite some time and so that's what i thought when dan miller talked about the big leap and this upper limit challenge is that you you need to you need to raise your standards or raise what you are you feel comfortable making and and eat you know you're it's an ongoing process of bumping up against that upper limit problem or this upper limit challenge that we had. And so when Dan talked about this, I didn't feel like this was a book that I needed to immediately jump on because I was convinced that I already understood that principle extremely well. And so I never got around to reading that book, or at least it was on my list. It just wasn't something that was an immediate desire of mine to jump into. I felt like, hey, I've been working on this upper limit challenge, and I've been doing pretty well. I mean, I started out pretty... With, with a pretty low financial thermostat, and, and I've turned the thermostat up several times, and and recently I've re- realized that I need to turn that thermostat up even a little bit higher. It might be it might be time for me to jump that thermostat from twenty grand per month to thirty to fifty grand per month. And and just saying that, I I feel the internal tension a little bit, but I I, I feel it freeing as well. I feel like I I, th- I feel like I'm I'm ready to make that leap, if you will. But for whatever reason, I decided recently to read The Big Leap. And as a result of that, I've now come to understand that The Big Leap is not just about money. It, but money is certainly a part of it. You know, uh, having a financial abundance, definitely a part of the messaging of The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. But it's so much more than that. And I want to talk to you about what this book is about, so I'm, I'm going to go through in this episode some notes that I took as I was reading this book, and by the way, I've only read this book one time. In fact, I recently I heard Dan say in a podcast, you know, there are some people out there who who get really excited about their eager goals to read to uh, to read a, a brand new book one book a month every month for the next year or to read one book a week every week for the year and there's he, he wasn't he wasn't downing anybody who's made those kind of goals in fact i have a very close personal friend of mine who makes similar goals to that and and he's an extremely successful person and i feel like from what I know from this friend of mine, that he often applies tons of what he's learning from these books that he's reading, and he consumes them much quicker than I can. 
Um, but or than I desire to anyway, and and so that's great for him. But I love what Dan said recently. It's like he, he he suggested to to somebody in his podcast. He says, you know, what if instead of making it a goal to read one book a month every month or fifty two books a week, you know, fifty two books over the next year, what if you made it a goal to read one book and master it? over the next year. And I think that that phrase that I heard recently in his podcast, that must have been what kicked into gear for me. It's like, okay, what what one book do I feel would be a great book for me to 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 take on and not make it a goal to read a ton of books and and to say I'm going to read every single I, I, what what's one book that I can take and I want to master it. And knowing that I'm getting ready to move into a whole new level of mindset and th- setting a thermostat of my success, area of success in the areas of abundance, success, and love, what, what one book would help me the most? And I thought that book might be <laughs> Thou Shall Prosper, which of course, those of you, again, who have been listening for a while, you know that I jumped back in and got through, what was it, chapter one, chapter two? Of course, they don't have chapters, but I, I, I think I got through the first commandment again in that book, and I still haven't made it forward. I don't know why you keep stalling there. Eventually, I think I'll get back to Thou Shall Prosper. One day, I'm going to finish that book, perhaps. Not committed to it right now, but I will tell you that The Big Leap was the book that I decided would be the book that I would read. I didn't care how fast it would happen, but this is a book that I'm not going to read to to just kind of say, hey, check it off the list and move on to the next book. Now, this is going to be a book that I'm going to read, and if, if, I, if it resonates with me as much as Dan had suggested it would when we had that conversation almost a year ago then this is a book that I'm probably going to take in and I'm going to attempt to master it. And that's exactly where I, I, I believe I should be at this point in when it comes to the content that I'm consuming. So I downloaded the audiobook of The Big Leap off of Audible the morning that I went to Disneyland. Now, for those of you who are also watching my vlog that I've been doing over on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Cliff Ravenscraft, almost to 8,000 subscribers, by the way. But uh, if you've been watching my vlog, you know that I spent my, I went to Disneyland um, two, a week, not this past Saturday, but the Saturday before that, while I was still out in Anaheim. And obviously, if I went to Disneyland, I was in Anaheim, right? But anyway, I I went to Disneyland for my very first time. And while I was there that day, I was walking around the park listening to the audiobook of The Big Leap. And I then listened to it a little bit more on the way home, flying home. And then I kind of took all last week off because I was actually facing an upper limit problem. And for those of you who have read The Big Leap, when I say that when I came back home, I was facing an upper limit problem, you know exactly what I'm talking about. For those of you who will actually read the book, The Upper Lim- or, uh, the Big Leap, within the next week or so, eventually you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about when I say I was facing an upper limit problem last week. I had... I, I had 
big time upper limit problem. So I put off, I stopped listening to the book until just yesterday when I got up in the morning at five o'clock in the morning, actually no, four o'clock in the morning, got up at four o'clock in the morning and felt led to listen to more of the audio book. And then I only had, I think about an hour and 42 minutes left when I stopped yesterday morning. And then I said, you know what, I'm going to finish that up today. And I got up at five o'clock this morning and Worked out this morning, listened to the rest of the audiobook, and it's now complete. First run through. And so I am going to be probably getting the Kindle version of this book next. And since I have the audible narration, I believe it has the ability to to read to me as I'm going through and seeing the book. But I took some amazing notes the first time through, and I know that for the first uh, the first, the first half of the book, maybe even the first three fourths of the book, I only have an a, a a a tiny grasp of what was being said. Of course, I'm you know fully engaged with what he was saying in the book because first of all, it's it's narrated by Gary Hendricks himself, which is kind of cool because you get to hear his passion for the subject matter matter as he's speaking it in his own voice. That works great for some authors, not so great for others. I've had some terrible experiences with some nonfiction audiobooks. This one was a good experience for me personally, even though many of you may actually have listened to me a long time ago when I promised I will never listen to a nonfiction audiobook ever again. Eh, this was an exception, and I'm glad I made that exception. By the way, the audio version of this on Audible is only five and a half hours. So you could listen to the entire audiobook in one day if you wanted to. And there probably will be a day in the future when I will do that, um, maybe on a drive down to Nashville. I might look for an opportunity to go to Nashville just to listen to this audiobook on the way down. Anyway, so yeah, that and and so I say all of that to say that if you were to read this book like physically, depending on how quickly you read, chances are you could read this book in an afternoon as well, or at least a day. So. With all of that being said, before I jump into my notes about The Big Leap, I do have in my notes here for this episode that I was really passionate about two quotes that I heard in other podcasts that I knew that I wanted to share with you guys before I was not as passionate about them anymore. So I'm going to come back and I'm going to share with you my notes on The Big Leap, what this book is about, or at least after my first my first initial impressions of the book. Uh, But before I do that, I want to share with you a a quote, an audio quote from Dan Miller's podcast, 48 Days to the Work You Love show, um, over at 48days.com. And then I'm going to also play an audio clip from Ray Edwards' podcast over at rayedwardspodcast.com or just go to rayedwards.com. The first audio clip that I'm going to play for you, I told you this is going all over the place, and I'm not editing today. I do apologize, but I think that this is, if you listen to this thing, I think it's going to provide some inspiration and some encouragement to you guys. So the first audio clip, and I got permission from both Dan and Ray to play these in this show, and I'm not going to give a lot of commentary on them, 
but it has everything to do with uh, what we've been talking about a lot about this whole idea of money and how we feel about money and how we feel about business. Is business good? Is business bad? Is it okay to make a lot of money? Uh, We talked a little while ago, a couple weeks ago, maybe it was last, actually I think it might have been two episodes ago, where, you know, do I need all of this stuff? Somebody suggested, well, as a Christian, shouldn't you, instead of buying all of that expensive camera equipment, shouldn't you just, wouldn't you be better off uh, just using what's you could, you know, necessary and, and instead of paying and getting all that extra gear, giving all of that money to the poor, wouldn't that be a better example of being a Christian in the world and all of that good stuff. So there's a lot of thoughts and thinking about that. My mindset is vastly different from the person who made that comment, and it used to not be, but my mindset has been expanded to a mindset of abundance, and and it's even expanding even further in that direction. And part of that as a result of two, these two audio clips as well as many other conversations and and other uh, areas of influence in my life. But the first one is where my friend Dan Miller in his podcast was uh, responding to a question from somebody in his community about his desire to, uh, he, he felt like, I guess maybe to set this up, he was looking for inspiration originally on how to create work around something that his a passion of his, how to find work that he loves, that he can, that he finds fulfillment in. And and then all of a sudden he comes up uh, with some feedback that says, hey, you know, I really appreciate you helping me find my passion through the last couple of whatever. I've realized now that what my greatest passion in life would be to do full-time ministry. Now, can you give me some insights on how to set that up? And Dan's response is exactly what I feel in my heart when it comes to full-time ministry. And that's that's enough. Here's three minutes of Dan talking about that with his community. Paul says, I wanted to thank you again for the time you took to help me with my passion. I started a new career recently and I'm doing well. I just realized that my passion is for our Lord Jesus and I would like to have a full-time ministry serving our Lord and defending my Christian faith. I need some help on how to put everything together. I thank God for all his blessings, Paul. All right, Paul, let's go back in history a little bit. Here's some ideas. Let's look at Jesus' disciples. How did they support their ministry? Well, it's pretty easy to see. They were fishermen, carpenters, craftsmen. I mean, the apostle Paul wrote 13 books of the New Testament. He traveled all over the known part of the world to that point, you know, teaching, consulting, establishing new churches. He never asked people for donations to take care of his own living expenses. What did he do? He was a tent maker. He talks about that. He didn't want to be dependent on the people that he was trying to teach and train because he was afraid that he would just say what they want to hear if they're in fact giving him money. Paul kept himself clean from that by taking care of his own support. Now, here's the thing. When he was doing his work that he would do as a tent maker, craftsman, you know, we're told that he worked in leather and other things. He wasn't doing that just as a sideline where he has to do that. You know, he has to spend enough time doing that. So he has the money so then he can go really do his ministry. No, he saw what he was doing as his real ministry as well. So if he was working in the sewing shop or in the tent shop, in the marketplace, or in the synagogue or lecture hall or prison, those were all forms of ministry for him. 
Now, I think we got some really clear models there, Paul, that you can follow. So here are my suggestions. If you're a physical therapist, see every visit as an opportunity to minister both physically and spiritually to that person. I mean, if you're a farmer, treat the earth with respect, grow crops in ethical ways and provide pure food for God's people. If you're an author, write books that encourage people and bring them hope. Now, look at your specific talents that you already recognize and then find or create the work that you love. And in doing so, the world will see your faith in action. Yes, you absolutely can have a full-time ministry serving our Lord, which is what your, your terms. But I think that's going to come from doing something that has value to the people and community around you. Instead of just putting yourself in a position, as you're implying, where then you're going to just ask people to give you donations because you're doing ministry and they're just doing all those worthless things like writing books and coaching and speaking and growing crops and pressure washing. No, don't create that artificial dichotomy. Honor your passion to be in full-time ministry. Believe me, I hope that I'm in full-time ministry. If I'm not, I better check what I'm doing. Well, there you go. That's the quote from Dan's podcast. It so resonated with me. And it's because I've been having lots of conversations with one-on-one folks about this idea of business and and that I believe the one of the greatest ways to be deeply involved in full-time ministry is to start a business. And and I'm I'm talking a for-profit business, not not for-profit. I'm talking a for-profit business. The idea is that you take your unique gifts, talents, and abilities, and you go out and create a business where your gifts, talents, passions, areas of expertise, and your experience where you can take all of that and where it meets and has an intersection with the marketplace where it serves the needs of those who would pay you to do that. Uh, because it serves them something that's a need in their life. You're you're providing something of value to them. In exchange, they give you these things called certificates of appreciation. That that by doing that, by creating a business, you are in fact ministering to others. And and I know that that is a that flies in the face. Of of and I'm not just saying that you have to do everything for a profit. I mean, certainly there are things that you do out of the kindness of your heart. There's charitable giving and all of that stuff. But the idea is that those things should be done out of the compulsion of your own heart and not out as as a result of any external forces or any guilt or any kind of compulsion from well outside sources or you know or programming that says you must do this you it, if you don't give at least this much of your income then you're going you're not going to receive the blessings of god he's not going to love you and bestow upon you the gifts blah 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 yeah, trust me that programming's out there and 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 it and it's holding a lot of people back and that leads me to the next quote uh, uh the next clip that i want to play from you and you if you think what i just said sounds you know contrary to to what maybe you've heard in the past uh if you had a similar christian upbringing than i had um then wait till you hear what happened uh on the ray edwards show when ray and his son sean edwards had this conversation 
Here, have a listen to this. My premise that I'm proposing to you is simply that business in and of itself is good. And what this means is it's not necessary for you as a believer, as a Christian, it's not necessary for you to make a lot of money and then give it all away in order for it to be a good thing. Yeah, it's not like the moral virtue of business is that you you give it charity. There's a, a thing that's going around that I actually used to say myself, and it is I want to be a 90% tither. Right. I want to give away 90% of my income and just live on 10%. As if that were the height of virtue. I want to make a lot of money, but not for me. I want to make it for other people. When I say business is morally good, this is going to challenge you. So you're going to have to wrestle with this this week. Or maybe it won't. Maybe it'll just be like somebody turning on the light in a dark room and you can finally stop bumping into stuff. By the virtue of having a profitable business, you're already doing the work of the kingdom. You're blessing people with jobs, with income, with the money with which to purchase health insurance, the money with which to have a home, to educate their children, to have food on the table, to wear Nikes on their feet, to have an iPhone or an Android. My point is a lot of... People in the church and outside the church as well believe that it's okay for me to make a lot of money as long as I'm virtuous and I don't keep it, I give it away. I'm saying give some of it away as you feel moved to do so, as your own inherent generosity wells up and you feel like, I want to help these people. That's fantastic. I believe that that should happen. But I can't tell you how much to to give or when to give. What I can say is if you don't give a dime, But you buy things and you employ people and you hire people to help you do things and you take vacations and you buy Teslas and you buy whatever your thing is, you're helping people and you're doing good by virtue of doing those things. Right. Business makes the world a better place. Now, is it possible for some people to abuse business and do bad things using business as the vehicle? Absolutely. Yes. You can can twist and pervert anything. Exactly. So we're not endorsing that. We're not suggesting that if you circumvent the law, either the moral law or the actual law of the land, we're not suggesting that if you abuse people's trust or if you steal, those are not good things. Those are not the good qualities of business. Those are perversions, twistings. When we say business is good, we're assuming that the people involved are not liars, cheaters, and thieves. As long as people are honest human beings... Again, I go back, I wish I could, like William Williamson or whatever his name is, that quote that I love that is, before capitalism, the only way to amass great wealth was by looting and plundering your fellow man. Since capitalism, the way to amass great wealth is by serving your fellow man. Because by having a business, it means you are producing value for other people. You are making something that other people want, which means you are improving the quality of their lives so just, just even in the transaction itself of you trading your product or service for their money and you trade value with each other, even without talking about the employees and all those benefits as well, just that is a service to each other, yes. not, not a one-way service. Yes. On almost every aspect, business in and of itself helps people and makes the world a better place. Yeah. And you, amazingly, you got that quote almost exactly right. Did I? I Googled it. Who is it by? Walter E. Williams. Walter E. Williams. And the exact quote is, prior to capitalism, the way people amassed great wealth was by looting, plundering, and enslaving their fellow man. Capitalism made it possible to become wealthy by serving your fellow man. So there you go. (laughs) Do you guys understand now why I subscribe to the Dan Miller podcast and the Ray Edwards show and have 
for years and I listen to their shows are at the very top of my list of what I subscribe or what I listen to. When they're if I'm ever behind on shows, I can tell you right now, Dan and Ray are at the top of my list of what I listen to first. And that is why because this is this is the way I believe about business. I believe that business is moral, business is good. Running something that is a profitable business means that it's profitable because people are paying you money for the services or products that you provide or recommend. And the reason why they would be providing you that money and buying those products and services because it meets their needs. Their lives are better as a result of what it is that you've put into the world. And how do you, and and that is I like Sean and Ray's language there. That's serving the needs of your customers. It's serving them. It's making their lives better. And that to me is a whole lot like this thing I call ministry. Being involved in ministry full time. And yes, I love the the there is no dichotomy of of, of ministry of of giving freely or charging for products and services that add value to people's lives. I don't think there's a dichotomy there at all. I don't think there there has to be a separation. I think that they're both ministry. They're, they're both valuable, and business is valuable. Business is good. This, my friends, that's, that's why I love listening to their shows. The reason why I wanted to get both of those folks to give me uh, both Ray and, and Sean and also Dan as well the reason why I wanted to ask their permission to share that in here is because I know that I keep telling you guys that I'm subscribed to their podcasts, but I happen to know that not all of you are. And and I encourage you to check out Dan Miller, 48 Days to the Work You Love. Go to 48days.com slash, well, just go to 48days.com. You'll find his podcast there. And of course, you can search in your Apple podcast directory for 48 D-A-Y-S, or Dan Miller. Either way, it's going to pull up. And of course, RayEdwards.com. And of course, you can just search for Ray Edwards in your podcast directory as well. Both of those shows should be at the top of your list if you want to have the same kind of constant confirmation and affirmation that business is good. And business is a great way to serve others. It is a way to actually be involved in ministry full-time where it is actually putting food on your table rather than begging for others to give you money to do ministry, <laughs> and it's, which is not my favorite way of doing ministry. Um, so anyway, I, I, thank you, Dan Miller. Thank you, Ray and Sean, for number one, creating the content that you guys create. I love your shows, and I appreciate you guys letting me include that in my show here. Now, I'm ready to go back to my notes in Evernote about The Big Leap. Again, this was my first pass through the book. I have completely listened to all five and a half hours of the audiobook one time, and here are the notes that I have. The first thing that I uncovered as I was listening to this is that he says that there are four different zones uh, that we can do work from, okay? And he said many people out there, unfortunately, are working in the zone of incompetence. (laughs) That means they're literally spending either a percentage of their day, a majority of their day, or all day every day 
working at things that they are not competent in, that they're doing things that they're not good at, that quite honestly, they probably shouldn't be messing around with it at all, uh, or it's something that probably should be delegated, delegated to someone else, hired out to someone else, or something else, but and and there are still things there are still a few tasks that i do that are me operating inside of my incompetence um and and for example some of that might be a little bit more of the accounting style of work that i do um i i i i play around with it i get the work done but because i'm operating in my incompetence I can spend an entire day and a half trying to figure, this doesn't happen to me now, uh, but there was a time when I spent a day and a half filling out one IRS form. It was the sales tax form for the state of Kentucky, and me operating in my zone of incompetence, it took me a day and a half to figure it out. And then the next month, it took me almost the same amount of time, and then eventually, I figured out how I did it, and I wrote myself notes, and then I scanned that, and I use that every time now when I do a... Uh, sales tax return, I pull out my notes that has all the handwritten stuff. It says, hey, all you need to do is you need to pull this I- this line pulls from this item on your profit and loss statement and this one and this. And now I've actually turned something that I was that was within my zone of incompetence and I've put it into my zone of competence. Um, and, and so, which by the way, there's a second zone, all right? And that is your zone of competence. And, and competence is something that you can do um, to give you some examples of things that I do in my business today uh, that are within my zone of competence, it would be the technical back end of things like WordPress and you know theme design. Um, you know, I was able to easily download once Mark Mason, my great friend, uh, talked me into getting the Divi theme instead of hiring out to my friend Anthony Tran, which would have done an amazing job. Anthony is awesome uh, at creating websites, but I decided to get the Divi theme and do it myself, and I spent probably an entire day and a half in my business working within my zone of competence of figuring out the Divi theme, and you know, my site looks pretty decent today. It doesn't look excellent, which is a little hint to what's to come, but it, it, it looks, it, it's, it's quality, it, it, it's a competent site for what I'm trying to do and accomplish. There's a whole lot more that I could and probably should do with my website, but I've never seen my website as the end-all, be-all to my success, and so I, I, I put my, my website at the priority where I feel like it should be, which is not at the top of the list. And that's why if you go to podcastanswerman.com, uh, it, 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 it's, it's there. It's a competent website, and, and I did it working inside of my zone of competence, okay? Now, again, there are, there are lots of things that, it, that I can do. Bookkeeping for me is in my zone of competence. Um, de- delivering packages to UPS, like literally taking time out of my day and and boxing up different podcast answer man equipment package or care packages, which is these little um, consumer electronics bits and pieces that I include in my podcast answer man equipment package, which you can find at podcastanswerman.com slash equipment if you want to see what the kind of equipment that I use in my own studio that I sell. 
uh, as a package. But anyway, there are a couple pro that are not pro audio, but consumer grade electronics. And and I buy these individually and, and I put them all together. And, and inside of my zone of competence is for me to source those things, to go and buy those things, and then to box them up myself and 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 to, to fold, you know, take these little cardboard boxes, fold them all together in the boxes that they should be, and then put them inside of a package and then ship them off to my supplier down in Texas. That's inside of my zone of competence. Is it something I should be doing myself? Probably not. Are there better things that I could do with my time? Absolutely. Could I delegate that out or hire somebody to do those things and, and operate in other zones other than my zone of competence and 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 take my success in life and, and every other area of life to the next level? Absolutely. But still, I find myself a percentage of the time there are, I'm trying to work, I, I'm trying not to work at all. I'm, I'm almost to the place where today I don't hardly do anything in my zone, in the zone of incompetence. The percentage of time that I spend in my business working in the zone of incompetence is almost down to, I would say, probably less than 2%, okay? Um, I still operate within my zone of competence inside of my business. If I had to guess, I'm just, this is off the top of my head. I've not thought about this until right now. I'm actually processing what I'm thinking about this book and this zone. I would say I probably operate in my zone of competence uh, about 30% of the time, all right? 30% of the time. So, yeah, I, I let, let's say 28% of the time and 2% so that I can do math because I don't do math live great. Doing math live during a podcast, that is in my zone of incompetence. <laughs> so, um, I know you're laughing, Mark Mason, okay? I, 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 I see you laughing in your car right now as I just said that. Um, and trust me, Mark, Mark Mason knows what I'm talking about. Anyway, so we got 2% of my time probably today still spent in the zone of incompetence. About 28% of my time in my, in the things that I do in my business are in my zone of competence. And thankfully I've hired out a lot of things in my business. Thank you, Andrea. My, my assistant Andrea is absolutely amazing. You rock. I love what you do for my business and how you help me take everything I'm doing to the next level. Thank you, Andrea. You rock. All right, so that's 30%, right, of, the, of, of how I spend my time in my business, working in my business, on my business, whatever the case may be. Now, now and by the way, there are many people who they, they, they are able to progress and get most of their time might have been spent in their zone of incompetence for a while and then all of a sudden they become competent at that and they grow into that and that's a better area of life to be in. It's better to work in the zone of competence than it is in the zone of incompetence and you definitely want to progress or take your life and, and what you're doing in your work to at least that level. But you don't want to stay in your zone of competence. Um, and so Gay Hendricks says there's a third zone that we could work from. And that zone is the zone of excellence. The zone of excellence. This is something that, man, it just, what you're doing, it, it comes naturally to you. It's easy for you. It, it just, it, it, it's just like, it's easily reproducible. It's profitable. It's, it's the kind of things that you do when you do them. Um, it, it, it just, you know, it's, it's, you're just great at it. You're excellent at what it is that you do. 
And and it's yeah, so repeatable. Do I have any notes on the zone of excellence? I don't have it right here. Um, so I'm not going to go too much more into it, but obviously, zone of excellence, you're more than competent. That it's as clear as that, right? And so if I had to guess, I'm I'm gonna try to do some math here. So we got a hundred percent as the max is is what I can do, and I've already expended thirty percent uh with my two percent in incompetent zone and I've got 28 in the competent zone. And I want to have, so that's going to leave me 70% left. So what I'm going to tell you is I probably spend 65% of my business time, time spent in my business, I spend about 65% of my time in the zone, in my zone of excellence. And that is awesome. By the way, that was not how things were in the beginning. <laughs> in the beginning of my business, I spent... Um, a majority of my time in the zone of incompetence with probably a a little bit of uh a little bit of the zone of of competence and then very little of this zone of excellence and and definitely didn't hit zone 4 at all for quite some time but that's because I didn't know what zone 4 was I probably did operate from zone 4 we'll get to zone 4 in just a moment but zone 3 is the zone of excellence We'll, we'll just stick here for just a moment. So zone three is the zone of excellence, and that's where I'm spending about 65% of my time today, which is really good, okay? It is really good until you learn about zone four, and to learn that you're spending more than half your time in your zone of excellence, it's not where you want to be. And unfortunately, a lot of people say, Cliff, I wish I could do what you're doing because what you're doing is how that's working and this and that, and then it's like, wow, what I've what I've what I've learned as a result of the big leap is, I I, I don't know that I want to teach people how to do exactly what I'm doing today, which is working inside of my zone of excellence. Uh, and by the way, what is, what are some things that are my zone of excellence? Hooking up um, audio equipment. I can hook up audio equipment, video equipment. I can I, I can buy new cameras and figure out how all the stuff, different things hook up. You know, I, I just recently got this video switcher, and and I can patch that into an audio mixer and get audio and and video all synced up and all of these things. I can spend just a couple hours to figure all that stuff out, and boy, that's in my zone of excellence. Just knowing how that stuff works, and if I don't know how it works, all I need to do, without even reading an owner's manual, it's just like, it just comes naturally to me. That's uh, me figuring out equipment, audio, and even now video, this stuff just it just comes naturally to me. It's my it's my area of excellence. Now, also teaching is an area of excellence. Creating content is an area of excellence. They're um, doing podcasting A to Z for me. By the way, doing podcasting A to Z the very first time was working inside of my zone of incompetence. I, I will tell you, although I will say that I also was operating in my zone of genius. Oh, I just gave you a hint. Well, I just actually did more than a hint. I just dropped for you. Spoiler alert. Uh, zone four is your zone of genius. But I, I was operating both in my zone of genius, and that's what carried me through my zone of incompetence in the first session of podcasting A to Z. The second session, uh, and, and probably the f- next few sessions of podcasting A to Z were in my zone of competence. 
And after doing it so many times, podcasting A to Z for me now is in my zone of excellence. I can repeat it. It's profitable. I could do it over and over again. I could probably do six of those a year, every year for the next five years, and it would generate an incredible amount of income. And it's inside of my zone of excellence. I, it's not pushing me. It's not it's not, it's, there's no pressure for me to grow any more than who I am. Who I am today could carry that off without any real pressure for growth beyond who I am today. I could just do it over and over and over again. And the problem with your zone of excellence is it becomes quite boring. It does. And in fact, for those who have been following this podcast and and you've been following my journey for, let's just say, for the past two years, and I know there are a couple hundred, maybe even more than a thousand of you who are are diehard fans who have been following me like for many years, okay? Uh, Maybe even two or three thousand of you. And for those of you who have been following for a very long time, you remember the year of identity, you know, it's like, I wonder if I should give up on podcasting, uh, consulting, and, and coaching altogether and just step out in faith and just cut, do a dry break from, from this and, and, and just go off in a completely new direction. Cliff Ravenscraft, life and business coach and mentor. And, and then all of a sudden just hanging back and like, I don't know about that. Maybe I'm going to hold on to this thing that I'm excellent at that is, is responsible and, and yeah, there's all of those kind of things. Now, I'm going to, and then of course, I'll tell you what, we'll stop with zone of excellence right there, and we'll talk about the zone of genius real quickly. I don't have an actual definition that I wrote down from the zone of genius, um, but the zone of genius is this area where you are operating at an entirely different level in life. It's like you are you are tied into your like a your purpose, your mission in life. You're, it is you. You have this unique gift and talent that you have been given that that brings value to the world in a way that is just it's genius. Uh, I, you know, it, it's just like you're operating at a level that just is it's genius level. It's providing value at such a high level that it's hard to fathom where is that coming from. You know, and 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 I would say. Knowing what I know about the zone of genius, I operate in my business today in my zone of genius about 5% of the time. It used to be higher, and it has been higher, and, and there have been times when, when I, would, I would bump into that zone of genius, and I might spend 30% of my time. There were times when I spent 60, 70, 80% of my time in my zone of genius and then I, I would shrink back into my zone of expertise or excellence. Yeah, the zone of excellence. And, and that is the upper limit problem. That's the upper limit challenge. It is not financial. It is the upper limit challenge is at least, you know, as defined what's going on here in this book, The Big Leap. It's not financial, although financial is tied to this. It, the financial is definitely a part of this. But it is it is it is abundance of of finance wealth. It's it's a it's it's success in life, and also it is the amount of love that you're you allow into your life. So this so it's it's kind of those three key areas elements of life, both abundance, um, success, and love. 
And and the problem is is that we we all should be operating more out of our zone of genius. And ultimately to get to the point where almost all of your time is operating in your zone of genius, where you're no longer doing anything in your zone of incompetence, you're no longer doing anything in your zone of competence, you know, you're delegated all of that stuff out and maybe even you've delegated out things that are in your zone of excellence or I haven't quite figured that out. That, that's one I'm working through. Of, of, but here's what I know is I know I, or I believe that I'm beginning to uncover what is my zone of genius and I think I've, I've tapped into it so many times but I've just bounced back to my zone of excellence because it, it's, it's uncomfortable. Again, it's, it's how much success are you allowing yourself, how many good feelings, how awesome can you feel for how long before your body says, ah, it's not okay to feel all that great all the time because there are other people out there that don't feel as great as you, and so you you don't want to you don't want to leapfrog everybody else. You, you really need to feel a little bit bad. <laughs> I know this sounds crazy because I, I I'm just it's it's just being uncovered to me just how much this is. It's called um, Gay Hendricks says it's it, you're upper limiting yourself. All right, some things that he said in the book. All right, first of all, I've got these bullet point things here. It says here. Uh, getting sick or hurt is often a result of upper limit challenges, um, and and he says that if matter, of, let's see here. Our, he says our unconscious minds are not rational or sober. Um, unconscious mind solution is to punish yourself. Okay, so there was a guy who was having a killer migraine. Um, because he was feeling so much ecstasy, he was feeling so many great feelings that his unconscious and subconscious mind was saying, wait a second, you you can't be feeling this great all of the time. As a result, I'm going to give you a migraine. And when I and, and there's also he talks about people who who are habitually getting sick like the day before or the day of uh, a big, huge, massive win. And and so when I start thinking about this thing that I've been calling post-vacation blues, I go to a speaking event, I go out of town, I deliver a talk, it, it, I'm on cloud nine, I feel like, man, I, I could do this every day, this is me operating in my zone of genius when I get up on stage and people afterwards, you know, it's for the next 45 minutes to an hour, maybe even an hour and a half, there are people outside in the hallway that were talking, that were inspired, People who are like, wow, this is, I got this question for you. I got this question for you. Wow, this is what I heard. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. And I feel so great. People are saying, Cliff, I absolutely love your talk. This was so life-changing. Thank you. And it, it, I get all of these positive, amazing vibes. And and then, I, then I'm emotionally drained. And, and, and my question now is, Am I really an on? Some of that I sure, I'm sure is this thing that I'm an introvert, and and when I come back home, I, I'm sure some of it is you know just adjusting back into normal routine and and stuff like that. But I am now confident that some of this is just me hitting up against my upper limit challenge that says I don't know that I'm okay experiencing this much ecstasy, this much greatness. This that I don't feel comfortable feeling this good this amount of time, and so he says that many times people will get sick 
as a result of this. Now, the interesting thing is, is that immediately after my June session of my next level workshop, I quite literally said to everybody that I talked to afterwards, this next level workshop that I did, creating an online business around your online efforts, the people that came, getting here, having them in my studio, hosting them here, seeing them have the mental breakthroughs that they had, me using and exercising my gifts of teaching and encouraging and inspiring and motivating those people who were here in the Next Level Studio, I was operating in what I now know to be my zone of genius. I, time, this was like, wow, this is awesome. And I came away from that event and I said to several of my closest friends, I said, this is the most exciting thing that has ever happened in my business to date. And and I had that day and a half event in June and then I go down and I'm having a great time down at Ray Edwards' event and I'm having massive stomach pain, like really massive stomach pain. And I realize and and and. I don't I I don't necessarily question this now but I believe that it that, that the stomach pains that I experienced immediately following my June session of the next level workshop was an upper limit challenge that it wasn't something physically wrong with me it was something that my unconscious mind created in my body as a result of the ecstasy that I felt from operating in my zone of of genius and this idea is of, and this thought, and I'm just going to share this with you. It doesn't make sense for me to share this out loud, but there's this thought in my mind that says, man, if I could do one of those a month every month, I could get rid of podcasting A to Z. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> my, my body's like, hold, hold the phone, wait a second, uh, this is not a proven thing. You have not done this 32 times and sold it out 32 times. You haven't even sold out one of them yet, Cliff. <laughs> I get it that you're all excited about that whole thing there, but whoa, hold your horses here. You don't understand podcasting A to Z. If you just do this, that's 20 to 40 to sometimes $60,000. Um, why don't you go ahead and have some stomach pain, think about something else and can Completely get your mind off of this zone of genius thing because I can't be having you throwing out podcasting A to Z out the window because, no, you need podcasting. That's where your money's coming from. Yes, you can make some money doing these workshops, but, dude, that's not what people know you for. You don't have the same kind of uh, waiting list of people who are saving up to join your your next level workshops. What, what are you thinking about? You're the podcast answer man. This is your area of excellence. Stay within it. And that's what I believe what was going on inside of my stomach, my gut, as I was experiencing severe cramps in my stomach for um, a couple days after that and then off and on a little bit uh, even beyond that. Incredible insights from this book. Incredible insights. I'm gonna I'm gonna read some other things here. It says many pain many times pains and symptoms are a sign of the body telling us something is out of integrity. Now I love by the way, just if you read this book, just to get a different understanding of the word integrity, that it's not a moral good or bad thing. The idea of integrity as a physics thing. That that was a cool little insight and one that you'll get if you read this book. Uh, but something's out of alignment. You know, something's just not quite right and your body is saying, eh. And I love the idea of expansion. I, now, here's the interesting thing. 
I did another next level workshop in August. It was incredible. I had the same kind of experience and stuff like that. And then immediately I turn around and I go to to Anaheim and and have this incredible high and and I'm able to do it without stomach pains, right? But I'm having all kinds of hip pain and all kinds of other stuff that I didn't tell anybody about, but I'm experienced personally. And then as I what I find is as as I allow myself to experience and 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 embrace the joy of what it is that I'm doing in the world and how this really is my true fulfillment and calling and 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 then all of a sudden the hip pain goes away. It's like what? Could this really be can you really be experiencing physical ailment as a result of feeling too good and your body's trying to keep you back? into your zone of excellence. And I know that hopefully by now, we're an hour and three minutes into this because I'm not editing this. Um, but if you were by now, hopefully you're, you're tracking a little bit with me. And if not, at least hearing this now, if you take what you, if you have this as your premise, going into reading The Big Leap, when you read The Big Leap, the insights that you're going to gain from it the first time are probably going to be similar to what I'm going to get from it as I read The Big Leap the second time through. All right. So I, I want to I want to hear, I want to see what this one says here. It says, the next time you find yourself with a stomach ache, and this is actually, these are, this is word for word because I transcribed this note into Evernote. Um, the next time you find yourself with a stomach ache, a throbbing headache, or a stubbed toe, ask yourself if you might be upper limiting. Uh, sometimes a headache is just a headache. But often, if you look a little deeper, you'll find that it's an expression of your upper limit problem. Then, as a signal that you need to expand instead of contract. It's telling you that it's time to open up and embrace a new high watermark of positive energy that's trying to extend establish itself in you underneath the headache might be an insight that's as powerfully positive as the pain is negative the surface pain is often caused by resisting the underlying positive message sometimes the positive message is a message we are afraid to hear such such as it's time to quit your job and do something else so the upper limit challenge, the upper limit problem, incredible concept, one that is really giving me a whole new light and a whole new lens to reflect on the past two years, three years, maybe even 10 years of my life. Seeing it in a whole new way, seeing it in a whole new light, and it is energizing me and exciting me. And the exciting thing uh, that's even more, um, let's see here. The zone of excellence feeds those around you, but it doesn't. Oh, okay. So this is a this is a little quote that I made this morning, or a little note I made this morning. Um, it says he. One of the things he says he says the zone of excellence will feed those around you, but the zone of excellence doesn't feed you. So that that's exactly true for me. Podcasting A to Z for the most part. When I'm doing podcasting A to Z, people who are a part of it, I have a hundred percent satisfaction rating. Everybody who's ever been a parting part of podcasting A to Z has absolutely loved it. And there are times within podcasting A to Z that I can get into my zone of genius 
And I do. Every single time. I I spend a 5% of my time. <laughs> Quite honestly, 5% of my time in podcasting A to Z is spent inside of my zone of genius. Now, for those of you who will be taking my September 18th session of podcasting A to Z, I'm hoping that for you guys, and it's going to be a whole new ball game. I hope that in my September 18th session of podcasting A to Z, I hope that I can spend 80, maybe even 90% of my time interacting and engaging with you inside of my zone of genius. And that, my friends, is going to be exciting. But the truth is, is that I do realize that there's something beyond podcasting A to Z. There's, and and I've, I've tasted it with these next level workshops, these live events that I'm doing, this, this being in front of a group of people and, and sharing things that are entertaining is a part of it, but that are, that is educating people that is encouraging and inspiring and motivating people that literally breaks people's breaks chains off of people's minds and hearts and frees them to a whole new level of life uh, because of just removing, breaking free from limiting thoughts, breaking free from old habits, setting, you know, breaking free from old patterns in life and how to set goals and achieve goals. And man, I'm super excited about the future. So many things. Then, of course, that's, you know, he explains the, the four different zones And then he talks about how do you discover what your zone of genius is? And he asks a couple different questions and I'm I'm just gonna briefly touch on them. He says, what do I, he, he suggests that you ask this question, what do I love to do? What is it that I love to do? And he even says, something I can do for long stretches of time without getting tired or bored, all right? Here are a bullet point list of things that I answered that are a hint into my zone of genius. Number one, creating content that entertains, educates, encourages, and inspires others. Um, Bullet point number two, encouraging others. (laughs) Uh, Bullet point number three, helping others experience mindset breakthroughs. Helping others open up to new possibilities. Helping others break free from limiting beliefs, learning new things myself personally so that I can turn around and immediately tell the world what I've learned and quite simply setting people free. That for me, those are the things I could continue to do it all day, every day. That, and the, he, he addresses this one and he's like, listen, when you, when you get into the zone of genius, your, 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 your subconscious mind and your conscious mind are going to say, whoa, Back up on into the zone of excellence. You, this is where you know the money is. This is where we can repeat it over and over again. This is responsible. That stuff right there, it's unknown. It's it's not, dude, come back to the zone of excellence. You know, and, and quite honestly, if you let it, your unconscious mind will create ailments is what he says. And I have experience that could back up that data. So, or I have data that can back up that that premise. Anyway, so anyway, um, another question that he tells you to ask, he says, what work do I do that doesn't seem like work? You know, the stuff where when I do it, I say, this is why I do what I do. <laughs> Producing podcast content, 
producing vlog content for my YouTube vlog, mentoring calls, one-on-one coaching calls, not where I'm teaching people the the what cables and and solving technical issues, but when I get on a phone call or a Skype call or a mentoring call and I'm talking to somebody about a problem that they're facing in their mind, an obstacle that they can't seem to wrap their mind, how am I going to achieve this? Helping them uncover limiting beliefs, helping them think about things from a whole different perspective, helping them expand their mindset of what's possible, and then having them get off the phone like, whoa, I'm so glad I talked to Cliff Ravens. That for me, I love that. That is something that is like, wow, that's incredible. Um, Teaching this workshops here in the Next Level Studio, incredible. I'm already envisioning myself doing even larger events. So those will be coming in my zone of genius to a to a town near you um, or even a town near me. But who knows? Cliff Ravenscraft show or not just the show. The the this stuff. I, I'm I'm thinking about hitting the road with some stuff. I, I'm excited. Um, yeah, and and I put public. Sc- Speaking question mark. I think it's more teaching and it's more inspiring and motivating. <sighs> we'll see. We, I, I'm still processing all this stuff. Anyway, uh, the next question he says In my work, what produces the highest ratio of abundance and satisfaction to the amount of time spent? And then I wrote down these are the bullet point items that I wrote initially as, my, as I was thinking about that immediately afterwards. I am so in my work what produces the highest ratio of abundance and satisfaction compared to the amount of time spent doing it. Now this is the abundance that it produ- produces in your business, the amount of satisfaction and good feelings and everything that that helps you create and and accomplish big things in your business. What it, what work do I do that gives me the highest ratio of abundance and satisfaction? compared to the amount of time spent doing it. The very first thing is a one-on-one conversation with a friend like Ray Edwards, Dan Miller, Mark Mason, Stuart Crane, and Michael Hyatt, and the list goes on. So people who are who are my mentors, my business advisors, my friends that I can talk about authentically, transparently, about anything and everything, and where I can say, hey, I'm 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 struggling with an upper limit challenge here. I'm struggling with a limiting mindset. I'm struggling with fear right now. And I can get on a phone call with Ray Edwards or Dan Miller or Mark Mason or one of these other people and say, I'm really struggling with this. And after 15, 20 minutes or even 30 minutes or an hour, I get off the phone and then all of a sudden I can get a whole week's worth of productivity out of that in my zone of genius. Um I happen to know those one-on-one calls are, that is definitely an area that produces a highest ratio of abundance and satisfaction in the work that I do and in my business when it compared to the amount of time spent doing it. So Ray, Dan, Mark, Michael, Stuart, uh, and and several other folks, you know who you are. Uh, I'll be reaching out to you uh, more often. Let's put it that way. Um, the second bullet point as far as, uh, this, this ratio here, time alone, learning something new that helps me accomplish something new in for myself, 
and then immediately turning around and deciding how can I use this to serve and help others. So it could be as simple as figuring out this new vlogging setup, setting up this new camera setup, um, teaching myself how to use Final Cut Pro, uh, teaching myself how to use Divi. Uh, I love learning these new things and then I love turning around and being able to use what I'm learning and using that to serve and help others and teach them. So I know that I love to do that, okay? That, that has a very high ratio of abundance and satisfaction compared to the amount of time spent doing it. Um, and then setting aside time alone by myself to reprioritize what it is that I'm working on, what, what, what projects that I'm working on based upon what I'm passionate about right at this very moment in time. And so this is something that I do, I, I'm going to be doing more often, maybe even once a month, if not even once a week. I'm going to actually say, these are the things that I said are my priorities, and these are the order in which those priorities are listed. Do I need to shift that, or do I need to completely erase a couple of these? And I'm going to be evaluating that more often than what I've been doing, which is about sometimes once a year, maybe every six months, and sometimes quarterly. I, I believe I'm gonna. Matter of fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna schedule. I'm gonna write this down here. Schedule monthly priority check. I'm just writing priority checks. All right, because I know that that right there is a, a very high ratio of abundance and satisfaction in work. When I actually sit down and say, ah, let's. I know I have so many things. I seem to be get behind on the work that I'm doing. Um, and I'm not so excited about these things that I once was excited about and I keep putting them off and by putting them off, I don't do anything and I'm not working on the things that I I'm, are in my zone of genius. Um, maybe I need to take those things off my priorities. And th- that means getting rid of some stuff. And I'm not a, I've, I'm no stranger of getting rid of things that I'm excellent at. <laughs> and and, and uh, there may be some some more things that I'm excellent at that need to go so that I can actually do uh, I need to function more time in, in my zone of genius as I am processing this even more. The next question he tells you to ask is, what is your unique ability? You know, and he talks about a skill within a skill within a skill. I'm still processing this. I'm actually inviting my a couple of my friends to read this book themselves, and I may even record conversations with them as I help, the, as as maybe they're processing what they're um, unique ability is, and as I'm actually consistently working on uh, figuring out what my unique ability is, because I I believe I'm I'm on the verge of understanding it, but I believe that there's something about my voice. I believe there's something about my ability to teach and communicate. Actually, I'm going to put that down here as another thing here. Uh, my ability to not okay, so ability to communicate. Um, there we go. Encouraging others is a unique ability that I have and a gift. Um, motivating and inspiring people and entertaining people. And I put I put a lot of these as question marks because I'm wondering, based upon the definition that Gay Hendricks gives, what is my, which one of these would fit the definition of the skill within the skill within the skill? You would understand that if you read this book. Um, anyway. And then um, he actually, he talks about how do you get to that and he says, when I'm, I'm at my best when I'm processing out loud, um, okay, I'm at my best when I'm processing out loud what I'm thinking, of, oh wait, you know what, I've already filled this one in. So 
I wrote the first one. I'm at my best when I'm processing out loud what I'm thinking and feeling about what I've learned or experienced. Right now, at this very moment in time, an hour and 18 minutes, I'm operating in my zone of genius right now. This right here. Now, the thing is, is my zone of genius can get out of control, and I realized that this probably would have been a very nicely edited 45-minute episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. I'm put. What I'm at an hour and 19 minutes right now, and this thing's going out. It's going to be a lengthier episode, but I believe a part of me processing out loud is a part of my zone of genius that sometimes, unfortunately, I've edited out. And maybe fortunately, I don't know, but I would love your feedback. I would like to know, for those of you who are a fan of this show, um, if you go to podcastanswerman.com slash 514 after this is published, because there are some people who will see this before then, um, but if you go to podcastanswerman.com slash 514, I'd like to know, unedited, you know, the, the live to drive here, how did you feel about this episode? It was over an hour and, I, and I'm operating in what I believe is, is for me, a part of my zone of genius. I, this is, I'm, I'm at my best when I'm processing my thoughts out loud, what I'm thinking and feeling inside about what I've just learned and experienced. Me doing this is me operating in my zone of genius. I believe that. All right? And then another one, uh, to get into the skill within the skill, he says, when I'm at my best, the exact thing I'm doing is dot, dot, dot. And I put in fill in the blank, but I think communicating, talking, I, I, I talking, um, sharing, uh, communicating, um, y- yeah, at teaching. Okay, so when I'm at my best, the exact thing I'm doing is those things. And then the third one, he says, when I'm doing this, The thing I love most about it is, uh, and I'm going to write this in here, knowing that it is going to have a positive and powerful, powerful impact on the lives of others, that it will help them become more of who they were created to be that that's my zone of genius i i'm I'm working this out as as i'm going along here in evernote anyway um there is more to this book (laughs) he talks about the central guiding intention the usm which is the ultimate success mantra and and i'm going to be i'm going to adopt this i expand in abundance success and love Every day as I inspire others around me to do the same. I'm going to say that one more time. I expand in abundance, success, and love every day as I inspire others around me to do the same. And then he talks about this thing called the enlightened no. And actually, this is something that I have become great at I, naturally over the last several years. And, and I'm excited that this is one that I'm, I'm really 
great at. And it's the enlightened no. It's it's saying no so that you can focus the on focus on things that tap into your zone of genius. Now the thing is though is I've actually been saying no so that I could say y- yes to things that tap into my zone of excellence. And I thought that was awesome. And now I'm realizing, wait a second. I want to tap into this zone of genius. And my body and my con- my conscious mind and my subconscious mind that says, "Well, hold on. Your zone of genius isn't paying all the bills." And, and, and I'm working through that. And that's where the upper limit challenge is, my friends. And so I, I'm, I'm wondering, cause here's, here's the thing for a long time, long time ago, hope you guys don't mind an extra long episode of the Cliff Raven Scrap Show. A long time ago, I remember I was working in insurance and, and I, I, when I started in insurance, I started in my zone of incompetence. And then after several years of working in insurance, I was working in my zone of competence. And in the final few years, of uh, and I worked in insurance for twelve years, by the way, selling auto, home, life, commercial, and and business insurance. Um, but I found an area of excellence was selling term life insurance. And and the thing is, though, is then I discovered podcasting, which for me it wasn't podcast coaching and consulting that I discovered. It was communicating, sharing what I'm learning. In a, in a way that entertains, educates, encourages, and inspires others. I was operating in my zone of genius. And, that's, and, and I remember saying, I wonder if it would be possible if there was ever a way that I could actually create content that encourages and inspires other people, and that's how I make a living instead of selling insurance. And, and that's where it's like, it, 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 was a, it took a year before that became a reality. It took a year of me going against an upper limit challenge back then. Now I can actually process that area of that season of life with this new information and it's clear as day. It, 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 it's, it's crystal clear to me how I faced an upper limit challenge, how I overcame it. And then how immediately afterwards it w- it was a struggle building my business and and how I've I've consistently been bumping up against this upper limit challenge, but expanding who I am and my identity as I go along, and and how uh, yeah, there's so much more I could say. It, it's it's incredible. So <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm all over the place. And then there's 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 more in this book. There's the enlightened no, like I said. Um, there's something called the Einstein time. I'm still, I'm, I'm wrapping my mind about what he's saying with the Einstein time and, and how you view time differently, that you are the one who creates time and that there is not a scarcity of time. This is a, this one's like, okay, I'm going to need to have, I'm going to need to go through that one, one, two, maybe three more times before I might even understand what he's saying there, but I, I like where he's going with it. All right. More stuff in this book. It's called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. I encourage you guys, get this book. Incredible. Um, and, and it's a book that I believe is right in line with exactly who, where the kind of things that I'm going to be helping with pe- people with. Now I understand Dan, and I know you're listening. Dan, now I understand why you encouraged me to get this book. And and yeah. Um, but ch- check this out. So it, here's, here's what he says. It's conquer your hidden fear and take life to the next level. That's the subtitle of the big leap. Hello, take life, take your life to the next level. Exactly what I feel called to do. My purpose. It's where my area of genius is. I, I absolutely know it. 
and I want to find a way to operate it in more a higher percentage of my time and ultimately all of my time in my area of genius. And I do believe that it is possible. It's gotta be. Other people are doing it. Other people are experiencing tremendous amounts of abundance, success, and love in life by doing things that are like, what? How do, how, how do they become multi-millionaires, decamillionaires, and all this other stuff doing that? And I'm I'm wondering if that's not the, the path that I'm heading down. So anyway, I look forward to continue to share the journey with you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Real quick note here, my next podcasting A to Z session is coming up on Monday, September 18th. If you've been waiting for a long time to attend podcasting A to Z, you probably want to get in very soon. I'm not saying podcasting A to Z is going away um, there, there will be at least one more this year. I am definitely still going to be serving you guys. I will be operating more within my area, uh, in the area of genius, or the, is it the areas? Is that what he calls it? But anyway, uh, operating within my zone of genius. Zone, thank you. Um, so I will be operating more within my zone of genius during podcasting A to Z now that I'm aware of what it is, and I can't wait to serve you as your personal coach for four weeks. Again, sign up. ASAP over at podcastinga2z.com. My guess is that there'll be one or two or three or more, maybe even many more. Depends on how big, and by the way, when when I read this book, he's like, listen, you're not gonna immediately get this and then all of a sudden the upper limit challenge goes away. Um, It may be a process for me. The thing is, is I've been working on this over the last, ever since the year of identity, whenever that podcast episode was. I think that might have been January 2016, but I've been working on this ever since then without really having this crystal clear understanding of what it is that I've been dealing with. Now that I'm dealing with it, I don't know how many more podcasting A to Z sessions I'll do, but I I, I just encourage you to sign up. <laughs> Next session, September 18th. I would love to be your personal coach for four weeks. And uh, sure, we'll help you get your podcast launched. Uh, but also, I, I think we'll help you a whole lot more than just getting your podcast launched. It's a whole lot more than getting an RSS feed. I promise you that. All right, so that's Podcasting A to Z. September 18th is the next session on that, podcastinga2z.com. And for those of you who would like to have a full-time ministry, doing profitable work that you are fu- that you find fulfilling, that you love, that you feel would add a great sense of fulfillment in your life. If you would like to create an online business around your podcast or your online content that you're creating, I would love to have you spend one and a half days here where you can actually experience me working definitely within my zone of genius. Uh, and you can, you can ask anybody who's attended the first two workshops. They will tell you. Uh, in fact, you go over to uh, podcastanswerman.com slash next level workshop. Watch the testimonial videos. That's all you got to do. If you would like to come to my next level workshop, creating an online business around your podcast efforts, my next session of that is November 3rd and 4th right here in the Next Level Studio. The thing that is absolutely hands down, unashamed to tell you, is the most awesome thing I've done in my business to date. And I would love to have you be a part of my third session of this workshop 
right here, November 3rd and 4th. You can register today at podcastanswerman.com slash next level workshop. Until next time, my friends, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level. Podcast Answer Man.